Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Oh, woe is me. My life is a mystery. Oh, can't you see that I'm at the start of a pretty big town? Oh, Rocky! What's going on? So, pretend like nothing that you just saw happened, because I'm going to cut that out anyway, and let us start again. Welcome to today's show. We're talking about Predator 2, but before I get there, I just want to say, if you have not listened to the Chet Hanks interview on Channel 5, you must. This guy, Andrew, whatever his name is, on Channel 5, he is just crushing it with his content, man. I mean, the dude is, is, is going to be the Michael Jordan of YouTube someday. I really, truly believe this. Phenomenal, phenomenal work that he is doing. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola Zero, the Coke that tastes kind of like Coke without any of the sugar. And a basket of carrots. I love Predator 2, man. I, you know, I revisited Predator 2 because, you know, my son is way too young to be watching Predator 2. He's He was five going on six at the time. He's now six years old. He just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Jordan. Um, but he watches a lot of YouTube and on YouTube, um, you know, it's very easy to find, you know, a lot of sort of instructional informational videos about, you know, made up alien species like predators and xenomorphs. And so my son has really gone down this, this rabbit hole of predators and xenomorphs and is obsessed. And, you know, my son loves Godzilla and King Kong too. And he watched Godzilla vs. King Kong. It's not scary. It's not a scary movie. These are ki- these kaiju movies are like adult versions of Pokemon. You know what I mean? Like, like fighting against each other, causing a lot of destruction. But, you know, if my son could watch something like Godzilla vs. Kong, why couldn't he watch a movie like Predator Predator 2? Well, I would soon find out why that is. You should know. <laughs> <laughs> because I forgot how violent uh, they are and how much uh, uh, questionable language is used. But, you know, all of those things aside, my son was not phased by seeing the Predator. So we started off with something light, and we kind of gone through most of the series. I don't think we watched the last one that Shane Black wrote, The Predator. It's so weird. It's, uh, you know, like a lot of franchises never, you know, it's so interesting. Like Predator is obviously the first one. Predator 2 is the second one. Predators, with the S, is the third one, and The Predator is the fourth one. Isn't that kind of crazy? The only discernible ones are Predator 1 and Predator 2, if you're not familiar with the series. I love the series. We're going to get to that in just a minute. So we watched Predator 2, and I hadn't seen Predator 2 in decades, man. I mean, I love me some Predator 2. 
but I had forgotten how great of a film it is, let alone sequel. Um, it has Bill, Bill Paxton in it. Bill Paxton's the only actor to be killed by a Predator, Terminator, and an alien. He's in Predator 2, he's in Aliens, and he's in the original Terminator. How about that, folks? Um, and his character, his character's great, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's, let's talk about the epiphany that I had while watching Predator 2 for the first time in years. You know, um, what I didn't realize is Predator 2 is actually sort of a secret lethal weapon film. In fact, it's in a, in a weird kind of way, if you take Predator and you blend it with Lethal Weapon, like the title of this YouTube video says, you, in fact, get Predator 2. And it makes sense. This was made in 1990 on the Tales of Lethal Weapon 2 uh, and Lethal Weapon 7, uh, Lethal Weapon 1, which was in 1987, the same year as Predator 1. So now, in 1990, they're doing Predator 2, right? Actually, in fact, Predator 2 is, is being made as Lethal Weapon 2 is being released. So, uh, you know... I don't know when it was written per se, but like the production for Predator 2 was definitely on the heels of the original Predator. And the fact that they cast Danny Glover, who stars in the Lethal Weapon movies, makes me think that this was 100% a conscious decision. Uh, and from a studio marketing standpoint, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant thing to do. You know what I mean? Like... What, how can we how can we continue the, the Predator series? You know, uh, in the midst of the... I mean, this is also... Predator is being made during the birth slash rise of the modern-day action flick, which sort of developed in the 80s, you know, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Rambo, uh, but really sort of, you know, uh, rises to prominence with Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And now here you have, and then you have a series Predator, the Predator film, which is like a perfect blending of all these genres together because Predator is just as much of an action soldier, you know, ensemble action film as it is a monster movie. Because that's what it is. It's also a monster movie. And it works perfectly. It fires on all cylinders. And so if, so if, if Predator is basically blending Rambo with a monster film, then Predator 2 is, hey, how can we how can we keep this going? What else do we have besides Rambo? How about Lethal Weapon? Let's because, you know, uh Lethal Weapon is is hot right now. So how can we do that? And you know, it makes perfect sense. In a way, it's actually the perfect sequel. It has everything that you would want to have in a sequel. You know, a sequel should either if it's not rehashing, because that's what Predator 2 does, it's, it's not continuing the story, it's sort of rehashing what happens in the first one, but it's doing it in a different place through a different prison to make it feel fresh. And it really does feel fresh. The first one takes place in the jungle. Well, this one's going to take place in the inner city. The first one, it's uh, a battle between, you know, um, rebels and, and all these, you know, guerrilla uh, guerrilla armies in, in the rainforest. Well, this one's going to be between... Um, you know, a, a civil war between uh, drug dealing factions. You have the Colombians versus this, like, it's like they're supposed to be a voodoo, a Haitian voodoo gang, but they're also, like, into reggae, which is kind of 
a little racist. Not racist, but stereotypical. It's like they they couldn't differentiate the between people that are into reggae music versus you know like Jamaicans and you know being Haitian and into voodoo. So like you kind of get like they're kind of fused together uh, in a, in a weird kind of way. But it works. It works for the eighties again context of the time when this was created it, it makes sense at the time that you would get something like that by today's standards like many films is it culturally insensitive yeah probably um but for all extensive purposes we're not looking at that per se we're not we're not here to dwell on that we're just here to dwell on the fact that this is such a perfect sequel so then to, to bring all these elements together well we need what's what's at the center of this film in the previous film, the center was, you know, a group of soldiers, you know, uh, traversing the rainforest after a, a brutal mission. Well, now we have we're going to do like a, a buddy cop action film, you know, in the middle of this gang war. And of course, we're it's the perfect setting for a predator to go and hunt people because that's what predators do. They 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 want to hunt you know, formidable warriors. They look at the, the action soldiers in, in the original Predator, Dutch and his, and his squad, and they see formidable game. And it's the same thing here. You know, the, the movie opens up, there's a brutal gang war going between the cops and the Colombians and the Colombian gang and um, Detective, uh, what's his name in the movie? Wow, this is going to bother me. I, just, I knew what it was. His name is... His name is, and this is happening during a heat wave. Um, yeah, between the Jamaicans. So in here it says between the Jamaicans and the Colombians, but I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be Haitians or something because they're doing voodoo. They have a voodoo king, and I'm pretty sure that voodoo is not does not make. You know, listen. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Someone correct me. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. You have Mike Harrigan. So you go from Roger Murtaugh, who is that's that's. Danny Glover's character in pre, in uh, Lethal Weapon, in the Lethal Weapon series, to being Lieutenant Mike Harrigan, whose catchphrase is shit happens in the same way that Roger Murtaugh's catchphrase is I'm too old for this shit. I'm getting too old for this shit, whatever. It's it's great, man. It's it's a great, subtle, yet not so subtle, you know, way to take a trend and use it for a sequel you know, to an entirely different franchise. And, you know, the, the characters, usually in your in your horror sequels, your characters are going to be kind of flimsy fodder for the monster or killer or whoever to slice and dice. But here we actually get some well-rounded, well-thought-out cop characters who are all in the squad together. And I think that's where that lethal weapon element comes in. Because what do we love about lethal weapons chemistry? You have Riggs, who's a loose cannon, you know, semi, doesn't care whether he lives or dies. I don't want to use that S word. He's that S word who doesn't care if he lives or dies. Um, who, who's He's a wild card that, you know, gets results, even though he creates a lot of damage in the process. And then you have uh, Roger Murtaugh, who's like the safe by the book, you know, sergeant at arms, you know, well-respected, you know, who does things methodically. And together, they're Riggs and Murtaugh, the lethal weapon. You know what I mean? Uh, and then here, what you get, you have Danny Glover as Lieutenant Mike Harrigan, who is basically playing his 
his his lethal weapon brother Mel Gibson. He's basically playing Riggs, except his name is Mike Harrigan. And maybe he does, he's not as, you know, he does care whether he lives or dies and whatnot, but he's not above sort of breaking the rules in order to get results. And then you have uh, Ruben Blades as Detective Danny Archuleta, um, and that's his best friend, and he, you know, spoilers to a 30-year-old movie, he gets killed. You have Maria Conchita Alonso as Detective Leona Cantrell, and she is the third person of this, like, three-person squad, and she doesn't take any crap, and, you know, there's some, you know, sort of uh, sexist or attempted, you know, to misogynistic sort of um, moves put on her, and she just sort of grabs people by the balls and is like, I don't play that shit. She's awesome. She's an awesome, solid character in this film as a result. And then you have the new guy on the uh, on the team, played by Bill Paxton. That's Detective Jerry Lambert, who is, who is transferred from another precinct into the Metro Command. That's Metro Command is is where Mike Harrigan leads his squad of of cops. And you really they have such chemistry, and the relationships feel so developed. You genuinely care about what is going to happen to these cop characters. And, you know, I remember when I watched it, again, like I said, like two decades prior was like the last time I really sat down and watched Predator 2. I remember distinctly um, uh, Maria's character, Leona, uh, getting killed on the train uh, as she pursues Bill Paxton. And I was totally wrong. She doesn't. I completely forgot that the Predator sees that she's pregnant and spares her, which gives us uh, a little piece of information about the Predator that is sort of, uh, alluded to at the beginning in the first film when uh, the Predator, the original Predator, uh, played by Kevin Peter Hall in both films, uh, he does not um, he does not uh, kill someone who's either injured or unharmed. And they realize that this Predator will only fight a, f- a fair fight, if, 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 that, if you could consider that to be fair in the first place. Um, so when the Predator discovers, discovers that she's pregnant, it spares her. I thought she had died. And, of course, Bill Paxton does buy it. And Jerry Jerry Lambert, great character. So you have all these, like, you know, and he's, like, kind of like a, he's got a, his mouth flies at a mile a minute. You know, he's uh, sort of like, I don't know what you would call him. You know, he's hitting on everything that, that every every female with two legs that walks, he, he's hitting on, on them all, including Maria's character. And they kind of have, like, this thing going on. And so when I saw that she was pregnant, I'm going, oh, that's a plot point that they're going to get back to at some point. And they never do. They never do because the, the action keeps up. You know, Harrigan chases the Predator through, you know, the city until he comes to the Predatorship. And, um, and it kind of blew my mind because I'm kind of going like, kind of going like, wow, that's what a plot point to just sort of throw out there and then ditch. And, and then, you know, the writer in me started to think in my head, man... Wouldn't it be great if they amended this thing? You know how that would have what would have made everything better is if you know when Bill Paxton first hits on Maria Alonso, who by the way is she's the the girl from The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, another Predator alum, and Running Man also came out in '87 or '88. So all these films are kind of made around the same time, late '80s, early. 90s or on the cusp of 90. So 
you know, after the initial exchange where she rejects Bill Paxton's character, uh, Jerry Lambert, by grabbing his balls and, you know, sort of demasculating him for, you know, hitting on her, it, I thought it would, what an interesting touch it would have been if they had hooked up and she was pregnant with his baby. And he tragically dies, but his baby lives on because the, the, the predator spares uh, Detective Cantrell, um, who's pursuing, you know, her baby daddy without maybe even knowing that she has a baby daddy, you know. But in, as it turns out, as it turns out, that's not the case at all. And she has some husband who never who is never seen. And she, she's just a married woman with, who's pregnant, which is fine. But I just feel like for the sake of the film, like why introduce this element, which I don't know, it just it just seemed like a like a real missed opportunity in that kind of way. Um, Daniel says Joe Pesci would make a weird predator. I agree. That would be really bizarre. You'd be like, hey, you think I'm funny? That's a terrible Joe Pesci. Forget my Joe Pesci. Let's just forget because that was so embarrassingly terrible. Okay, um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's a really really good sequel. And basically, what happens is you have the, the Civil War, like I, I spoke about. You have the Colombians and they, this in, in Wikipedia here it says Jamaican drug cartels, but I think they're Haitian. Man, the Voodoo King wants the Colombians dead and. Basically, the Predator is like a serial murderer. The, the Predator keeps sort of picking off these drug dealers, and they have to solve the crime as to who is picking them up. And then meanwhile, their jurisdiction keeps getting messed with by this guy named Peter Keyes, played by the uh, crazy Gary Busey. He's posing as a DEA agent, um, leading a special task force investigating the drugs that's going on. But in reality, he's part of a much different, deeper government program who uh, basically is aware that there are these predator aliens and knows all about what happened to Dutch in the first Predator. And he, he bridges the, the sequel with the original by telling us, you know, sort of rehashing what happened to Dutch and his team. Now, what's interesting is originally this role was not made for Gary Busey. Originally, the it's not supposed to be Special Agent Peter Keyes. It's supposed to be Dutch himself. That's right. Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to head up a team dedicated to capturing the Predators. And what happened was he declined to reprise the role, being, you know, you know just before on the cusp of doing Terminator 2 and you know, uh, blowing himself up into a, not just a superstar, but a mega gigantic superstar, if that's even possible. Uh, You also have a bit part played by Kent McCord um, as as the Captain Pilgrim, who you may recognize as uh, Kurt's father in Return of the Living Dead 3, one of my favorite films. Um, And it was a shock to realize that he was in this film which I thought was, that was really, really cool to see him. He's in a bunch of stuff. But basically, the the Predator, it's like, on one hand, you almost think the Predator is like a vigilante. And then on the other hand, you're kind of like, whoa, like this Predator is like a serial killer. They think they're hunting a serial killer. 
and the MO is the same. Skin bodies hung upside down. They're finding strange tech, weapons that are, you know, light as a feather but cut like steel, stuff like that. I never forgot that line um, in 20 years since I had previously seen it. I always remember that. Yeah, it's light as a feather, but it cuts like steel. Talking about the the little projectile that um, that that gets fired into a vent. And then, of course, the character of, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Blades. Uh, no, not Blades. Uh, no, the, Blade is the, the name of the guy. Ruben Blades, who, who's also in Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, Detective Danny Archuleta, he goes back to the scene of the crime to, to find the weapon because he saw it at the crime scene and he gets killed too. And then suddenly it becomes personal for Danny Glover, Lieutenant Mike Harrigan. And, you know, the predator, the city hunter, as they call him, the city hunter, who who thinks that, you know, for him this is like shooting fish in a barrel, but he has no idea who he is dealing with. He doesn't realize the toughness. You know, the, the movie is kind of like a metaphor for almost like you don't know how tough LAPD officers have to be at the height of the drug war in the late 80s, that kind of thing. I think a little bit. It's kind of interesting when you think about it like that. Um, and the movie, the, 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 the writing, the story, in addition to the characters being as great as they are, in addition to the you know script feeling tight and having, like I said, good character development, the, the pacing of the film never lets up. It just goes on and on and on. There are movie. There are parts where it like breathes and kind of slows down, but for the most part, you are just like you're 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 tap you're you're tapped into the story, and it just goes and it goes and it goes, and um, especially when they get to the graveyard and he realizes when he finds his, his partner's necklace, and then you know the two officers they hop on the train, um, Maria and Bill's characters hop on the train, and we find out that she's pregnant as we said. And then it, it literally just becomes a one uh, man versus alien hunt. Uh, and then, and then, well, that's not true because then Gary Busey's, you know, uh, reveal comes about and we find out who this predator is. He likes to eat beef out of a, you know, meat locker, you know, a slaughter, slaughterhouse, and they try to trap the thing there. And again, it's just like, once again, it's like cop instincts and attitude will always trump having the best weapons you know, because Gary Busey, by, you know, for all intents and purposes, has all the tech that he needs in order to, you know, track this thing down. Uh, Daniel says, the best part of this movie was at the end uh, and the ship and the Lost Hunters. I totally agree. So what this movie does that makes it, re- you know, more interesting than anything else, this movie introduces two things. One, it can, just like Aliens did for Alien, it opens up the world. This is not just these things. They come here to Earth. They've been doing it for a long time, as we see with the antiquated flintlock pistol from 1750 or 1715. Um, there are lots of them, and they have a sense of, of deep honor. Because even after Danny Glover faces off against the one-armed city hunter, they don't kill him. They let him live because he won. So they have like this, this code of honor as the warrior race that they are. Uh, But we get to see what the Predator ship looks like, and more than anything else, we realize when we look at the trophy wall with all the different alien skulls, these things hunt game all over the universe. 
and it kind of blows your mind. And then they do something, you know, way before we got Marvel movies, way before we got crossover movies of any kind, even though the crossover is not a new concept and goes back to the Universal Horror Monsters. But we get this revelation slash reveal that aliens are hunted by predators, xenomorphs. We see a xenomorph skull hanging on the wall. And, you know, again, this this piece of currency, you know, again, pop culture knowledge in a pre-internet age was social currency. So to be, to know this was like new, it meant that you were on the up and up. Yeah, don't you know, aliens and predators, same universe, alien, uh, aliens are hunted by predators. Um, so much so that I, I believe that the Dark Horse franchise, Alien versus Predator, begins with this impetus in Predator 2. I don't think there had been comics before that point. Somebody prove me wrong. I may not know what I'm talking about. I probably most likely don't know what I'm talking about. But it's my understanding that this was the movie that began it. Let's take a look at some of the trivia here before we wrap things up. Um, but it's, it's great. It's, it's a revelation and it just adds so much to what we're seeing. So the film, wow, there's a lot of items here. The filming of the alleyway scene was very troublesome for filmmakers due to the rough neighborhood. The alley was littered with garbage, most of which is used in the film and plagued with large rats. Local residents angered by the noise, uh, created by the film crew would throw bottles and paper bags filled with feces from the windows at the crew in the alley uh, below. Worst of all, the film crew found a dead body hidden among the garbage. The most horrible places I've ever had a film were the alleys of downtown Los Angeles, Shane Mahan commented, and Predator 2 was shot at a lot of these disgusting alleys. They were dirty and depressing and ghosts with people peeing on the walls. We'd be rigging something and there'd be rats there. The Jamaican voodoo posse gang seen in the film were based on actual gangs that were terrorizing New York City and Kansas City in the mid to late 80s. Again, is there Jamaican voodoo? Again, forgive my ignorance. I'm pretty sure voodoo is a Haitian concept. I'm, 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 I don't think that's a Jamaican thing. Because, um, you know, I don't know. Because, like, reggae is a part of its own religion, right? And not that all Jamaicans follow reggae, per se, but I don't know. Again, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Probably don't. Um, several of the hunting party members were played by players from the Los Angeles Lakers. Danny Glover was a big fan, and when production needed several very tall people to play background predators, he asked them to help out. Arnold Schwarzenegger said no to Predator 2 in 1990 because of a dispute over money. According to producer John Davis, it was over an additional $250,000, which the studio refused to pay him. Now, what's really crazy is, Dutch was supposed to come back in the Predator. Originally, when they open up that Predator killer thing, it's supposed to be Dutch in there. So it's not the first time that Dutch almost made uh, a return to the series. Mind you, again, this is how great this series is. It never repeats itself. For better or for worse, it never repeats itself. The first one takes place in the jungle. The second one takes place in the inner city, blending lethal, you know, uh, lethal weapon, as we said. The third movie, which is a phenomenal entry in this series that, no, in, in my opinion, arguably might be the best one of them all, or at least my favorite. 
you know, they go to a, a war world, a, a game planet that the Predators bring them to. So they take the, the story to outer space, and yet it feels just like the first one. So it's literally almost like a reimagining of the first one with a bunch of really dangerous people from all over the world. You know, you have that, that wonderful reveal of Topher Grace's character that he turns out to be a serial killer. It's phenomenal. Walter Goggins is the, um, as the person's convict who, who, you know, shivs the predator. It just works, fires on all cylinders. And then you have the, the fourth one where they're trying to, you know, they, the fourth one is kind of a rehash of, I guess, maybe Alien versus Predator Requiem along with Predators. And it just, it's not very good out of, out of them all. But they all do do something different, which I respect and appreciate. Um, Stephen Hopkins was given the task of directing Predator 2 after greatly impressing the studio with directing A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. He had been given just four weeks to shoot and a further four weeks to edit the film. This meant they had to shoot on one stage while the crew dressed the other, allowing them to shoot almost continually. The spear weapon that is used in the film disappeared and was reportedly stolen after filming was completed. Um, with more time than the original Predator, Stan Winston, Stephen Hopkins, and Lawrence G. Paul came up with, an I- with ideas and designs with more exotic weapons, the retractable spear, the detachable pinchers, the smart disc, the net, etc., for the Predator to use to differentiate the film from the previous one. The tech is so cool. And I love that part where he has to, like, sort of, you know, repair himself. And he has that mess kit that he takes off his back. It's just so fun. Kevin Peter Hall, who played the Predator in the first film, had studied African tribal dancers in order to get the feel and flexibility of the Predator and give him a personality. Kevin Peter Hall also replaced Jean-Claude Van Damme who was the original Predator in a much different design that looked terrible, by the way. And it was really great that they went with the design that they went with. The subway attack scene was directly adapted from the first Predator comic book series. The producers thought it was cool and wanted to use it in the film. After having the lower portion of its left arm slice off, the City Hunter was played in wide shots by one-armed stuntman R. David Smith. This is crazy. The film was recut over 20 times, according to Stephen Hopkins, because of more graphic shots of mutilated bodies and decapitations by the Predator. The film was initially given an NC-17 rating. Uh, To be honest, man, like, uh, I want to see that original cut. I bet it's great. Ruben Blades was given a live television interview to Good Morning America from the set of this movie during the interview... Stephen Hopkins walked on camera and ordered Blades back to work very loudly. The incident was so embarrassing, Blades and Hopkins did another interview a few days later to apologize. Wow. The Elder's Predator suit was made from the original Jungle Hunter outfit from Predator 1987 with different armored pieces applied. So that is the the cameo of the original Predator. The Elder's head was likewise likewise recycled from the Jungle Hunter's outfit and was modified with foam latex appliances to alter its appearance, according to special effects artist Shane Mahan. We changed the structure and the look of it a bit and broke a tusk on it to make it look older. The Elder was played uh, by an uncredited Kevin Peter Hall, who plays the City Hunter, 
and the film's first jungle hunter. John McTiernan's fee after Die Hard was $2 million. That's why he declined to direct this movie. Right, because he directed the original Predator. So the same guy who did Die Hard made Predator, right? Like, you know, it just, it, it, it screams, it's like, let's blend monsters with, you know, the late 80s action film. In a backstory explaining Dutch's, the hero of the first film's absence from the sequel, Keyes has learned of Dutch's encounter with the Predator and tracked him down to a hospital. Dutch was being treated for radiation sickness, thought to be a result of the exposure to the Predator's self-destruct device. After hearing Dutch's accounts of the events, Keyes and the OWLF team were then wolf scrambled, were then sent to the jungle to investigate and study the site where the Predator detonated the device. Uh, they found evidence of a spaceship launch in the jungle, and the deceased Predator ship had automatically returned to the Predator homeworld. Dutch later escaped from the hospital and vanished, and Keyes believed he was still alive. Uh, respirators were required during the slaughterhouse scene due to the debris and chemicals that had filled up the inside of the set. The original storyline of the film was to have taken place in New York City, but Jim Thomas and John Thomas quickly changed it to Los Angeles because of budgetary concerns. The scene where the Predator raises the skull during the lightning storm would, would have taken place on top of the Chrysler building. That makes sense. Um, some of the Predator sounds were recycled from the Tremors film from 1990. All, all came out right at the same time. Um, Elpidia Carrillo, uh, who played Anna in the first film, has her name listed in the sequel's credits, yet doesn't seem to appear in the actual film. I was wondering that, because I saw that, and I was like, I don't remember seeing her. Look carefully during the scene inside Peter Key's mobile headquarters, and you will spot her. That's right, you see her on the screen. When Keyes describes how the creature activated a self-destruct device in Predator, you can briefly spot Anna on one of the video screens. Uh, so... Uh, she did, Carrillo did film a debriefing scene in which she talks to the camera and describes the event of the first film, but it was cut from the sequel. How about that? King Willie, Calvin Lockhart, is said to practice voodoo, yet voodoo is not... I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! So he practices voodoo, yet voodoo is not commonly practiced in Jamaica, so I guess it is a little bit, and it actually comes from Haiti. King Willie is more likely a Rastafarian Thank you. Did I not just say this? Which is a common religion in Jamaica. I'm going to explain his dreadlocks. Hello. And the fact that he calls Harrigan Babylon, a Rastafarian term for the Jamaican system, which they see as oppressive and corrupt. I knew it. I knew I wasn't crazy. According to screenwriters Jim and John Thomas, a Predator sequel had not been planned, and they had to wait to see how successful the Predator comic book series would be. After the series was a hit, Producer Joel Silver, who also did Lethal Weapon, see it all the pieces come together, that this all makes sense, was finally able to convince Fox to make the sequel, which was immediately greenlit. As with Predator, two full bodysuits were made for filming, an articulated hero head, and a, st and a static stunt head. So hero always means the, the, the most important, prominent thing with the most working parts that is used on set or whatever. Um, the City Hunter's biomask was redesigned, being made more angular and bronze in color. So yeah, just a bunch of different variations. The Sergeant, played by Steve Kahan, to whom Mike Harrigan briefly talks to at the beginning of the movie, 
played his boss, Captain Murphy, in all four Lethal Weapon movies. Hello. This was the first film to be given a newly instituted NC-17 rating in the U.S. for its graphic violence, but it was recut to its final theatrical length. The slaughterhouse sequence took about four days to shoot and was extremely difficult, according to Stephen Hopkins, due to the amount of water used and the lighting of the sequence. The brief scene where the hunting party was the the brief scene with the hunting party was the most expensive to make in the entire film. They had to build nine additional unique predator suits just for a few minutes of screen time. According to Gary Busey in an interview, after the events of the first film, Keys and the CIA had been conducting missions in the jungle in which Dutch had been involved, but they had lost Dutch. This explains why Dutch didn't appear in the sequel. Bill Paxton, the, a- the actor who played Jerry Lambert, had starred in the franchises of both Predator and Alien series, along with Predator 2. He also starred as Private Hudson and Aliens, the first sequel that we knew this already. First film, uh, this is the first film by Gary Busey made after his famous motorcycle accident. Nearly fatal motorcycle accident. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. The Predators seen on the ship make a special appearance in the humorous behind-the-scenes Danny Glover's Predator dance video. Go look that up on YouTube. It is hilarious. I wonder if... Is it possible that we can find... Ah, I'm not going to it. Um, John Lithgow was Stephen Hopkins' first choice for Peter Keyes, but Joel Silver pushed for Gary Busey instead. <sighs> Keyes is the first character to ever use the word predator to refer to the creature on screen when he says, we've prepared a trap for this predator. It's just like the, the creature in Aliens. They don't call him Xenomorphs, and they don't call it Alien. They just call it the creature. Um, the word predators is also used by Isabel. That's, um played by the IDF sharpshooter in Predators 2010. But she uses it, uses it to refer to the human characters in the film, not the Predator creature. It's interesting. It wasn't until The Predator in 2018 when the creature itself was referred to as Predator again. Um, at one point, while talking to the Predator, Harrigan begins to quote Dutch's line, you're one ugly mother effer from Predator. However, the city hunter grabs his throat. That was a fun... That's, that's really fun. Um... The novelization of the film explains that the Jungle Hunter's biomask recorded everything that happened in Valverde and relayed it to its ship, which then returned home with this information at the creature's death. Even though the Jungle Hunter was not actually wearing its mask at the time, Dutch says the line, it was lying on the ground nearby and could still have been potentially recording. So while they, they actually came up with this idea that the Predator biomasks record data and send it back to the Predator homeworld. That's pretty crazy. That's why you always have to read the novelizations, especially if you love, if you're a big fan of, like, a world that's created in a film, you're always going to find out more information in the novelization. Uh, At one point, Patrick Swayze was approached to star in the film, but was unable to because he was injured during the filming of Roadhouse. The Predator Elder has a scrap of olive drab fabric with a patch on it. On his right arm, the patch is from the U.S. Army's 2nd Infantry Division. The 2nd Infantry Division was involved in some of the worst fighting of the Korean War, especially during China's winter offensive. If this Predator did kill an American soldier during the Korean War, that would imply that the Predators are not strictly attracted to heat and conflict, which is the, the, the theme that's running through both Predator and Predator 2. 
that they are attracted to heat and conflict, and that's what brings them out to, you know, sort of, you know, do their hunts. Um, but we do know that the predators are long-lived, again, from the flintlock pistol. Um, let's see here. Stan Winston's team created several extraterrestrial skulls for the Predator Trophy Room. Most of them unnamed alien species sprung from the SWS artist's imaginations. However, in a fun nod to the Dark Horse comic... Okay, so the Dark Horse comic did exist beforehand. My bad. Alien versus Predator, they decided to include an alien warrior skull in the Predator's trophy case. And for literally the next 10 years... People, all people talked about, when are we going to get the Alien vs. Predator movie? And it finally came. It took 14 years, but it finally came in 2004. In the original Predator, when the camera pans to the Predator's HUD HUD view, human voices are audible as high-pitched. In Predator 2, human voices are audible as low-pitched. However, it is revealed that the Predator has several visors at its disposal, so it may also affect the way it records sounds. Besides the City Hunter and the Elder Greyback, the Los Angeles hunting party predators considered a boar, both guardian, hippie, ram, scout, snake, and stalker. Interesting. Um, who knows if that's real or official. God, there's too many of these things. I'm going to have to stop this. <laughs> the plot is largely based on the first Predator comic, Concrete Jungle. Huh. Which also moved the action to the major city during a heat wave. That makes sense. But it was originally in New York, and then switches to Los Angeles. Fair enough. Um, Grayback's plasma caster is unique in that the laser pointed is built into the weapon itself rather than mounted on the Predator's biomass, because that's how they aim with the three dots. Among Grayback's trophies is a sword, dog tags, dog tags, and a patch from the U United States 2nd Infantry Division, which is on his left arm, right? We see he's carrying all of these different trophies. And then in Predators, we see uh, a samurai sword from the 15th century, and we get this really cool showdown between a Yakuza uh, soldier and one of the Predators. Um, the Predators of the hunting party, not including the City Hunter, are often referred to collectively as the Lost Predators because the suits used to depict them on film were literally lost after production was completed. That's crazy. Um, in Key's backstory, yeah, we already know that. The sensors and equipment Key's and his team is seen using to monitor at the slaughterhouse was, most, was mostly actually film and television production equipment. Um, Stephen Hopkins said that Arnold Schwarzenegger refused a supporting role, not because he didn't like the script, because uh, he refused because he didn't want to postpone the filming of Kindergarten Cop, which started filming in October. Hopkins said he was relieved because if Arnold was ultimately on board, massive script rewrites would have been necessary. He's absolutely right about that. Who knows what the film would have looked like. The prop flintlock pistol used in Predator 2 was a commercially available non-firing replica from the Spanish manufacturer Denix, made in cast pot metal and hardwood. The external maliquet, mainspring, and full cock sear was purely decorative. Hmm. That's really cool. In the novel, the elder predator is called Greyback. So that's why the, the, the credits here, the trivia here uses Greyback. Yeah, so Danny Glover, Gary Busey, and Steve Kahan all co-starred in the original Lethal Weapon. 
produced by Joel Silver, who produced this film. It all makes sense. In the novelization of Predator, the scene where the city hunter scales the building with Jerry's skull and spine and raises it, its combi stick to the sky, attracting a bolt of lightning, happens far earlier, and the skull in its hand at the time was Danny's, not Jerry's. There's a really gnarly scene where he rips out the spine and the skull at the same time, uh, mimicking what happens in the original one with the uh, Native American dude. I forget his name. The spaceship seemed to be there as kind of a headquarters for the Predator aliens. Other than the hunt, no explanation is given to, uh, to their presence. Viewers have suggested that each Predator was sent out to hunt. They all go hunting in various places at the same time or in close time frames. In order to minimize the chance of being discovered, once the hunt is complete, they return to the headquarters and head back into space. That makes sense. The Predator in this film was simply the last to complete his hunt. The ship was there to collect the Predator before his hunt was complete because he wasn't following the ritual and was being too high profile. Interesting. For the Predator's decapitation of the voodoo priest and Jamaican gang leader, King Willie, Stan Winston studio artist created a total realistic severed head. It looks really good. And I love the way it just jump cuts. I'm sure we actually got the grisly, bloody decapitation, like, was shot. But they chose to cut it out, probably, because it got an NC-17 rating. I think that was a good move, man. Because the way that, like, we see he's about to fight, and then it just cuts to him holding the head. It just, oh, it just, like, it, it, it portrays that it was, like, never a contest. And I just think that works really well. So I didn't know this. In the comics and novels, the alien species is known as the Yata, Y-A-U-T-J-A, Yata, or the Hishquiten in some instances. That's weird. The gunfight in Los Angeles was shot in three long days, with the exception of the interiors of the building, which was shot on the Fox lot. That's a repeat. In Hunters and the Hunted, the making of Predator 2, Gary Busey states that his character set up the last mission, referring to the mission in Predator 1987, and that Dutch was lost nine weeks after the events of the previous film. So he gives a bunch of backstory in that the making of that thing. Uh, in the novelization of Predator 2, Keyes mentioned Dutch's Olympian physique. This is likely a humorous nod to Schwarzenegger, who won Mr. Olympia bodybuilding competition seven times before becoming an actor. Um, skip that one. In the original script, the penthouse sacrifice of the Colombian drug lord, Raymond Vega, was very different. The script shows the Jamaicans attack Vega's place while Vega is merely sitting alone in his apartment and relaxing. Not nakedly banging his mistresses. And before, oh no, it's just one mistress. And before they can kill him in the realist, ritualistic ceremony, the predator strikes and wipes out the voodoo posse. Raymond witnesses all this happen as the Predator spares him since he's unarmed and is thus later used by Keys to gain information on the Predator. In the final shooting script, they switch it so that Vega is killed while his girlfriend witnesses the Predator kill everyone, as we know. She's, like, naked beside, like, a totem pole, like, freaking out. The studio kept pushing for Steven Seagal as the lead. That would have been ridiculous. To which Stephen Hopkins declined. Seagal went on to... Another Jamaican theme movie, Marked for Death, in 1990. It is unclear if the hunting party represented an entire, a bit, very small clan, or whether they were merely a few individuals from a much larger clan, whatever. Ugh, this is tiring. Um, 
I don't know. In the novel, Harrigan doesn't kill the Predator, but severely wounds it with the smart disc, at which point the elder Predator and the other hunters arrive, at which point City Hunter willingly allows the elder Predator to decapitate it, at which the point the novel ends. That's interesting. I like what they did in the movie better. I think that works better. Um, I don't think that's interesting to read. We already know that about Bill Paxson being killed by all these different monsters. Uh, Peter Key, as here's where it says it. Gary Busey's character, Peter Keyes, was originally written in the script as Dutch. Arnold Schwarzenegger's character from the first film. It would have been a more robust role that would have resulted in Schwarzenegger and Danny Glover sharing headline for the film. Because Schwarzenegger declined to participate due to his dissatisfaction with the script and director, the role was reduced to a secondary villain anti-hero role, and Busey was cast instead. Very interesting to me. Um, what else? Uh, uh, yeah, it was a critical and financial failure. Which bums me out. I mean, how much money did it make? Let's see what it... It, it, it cost 20 to $30 million to make, and it only made 57.1 at the box office. And it's a shame that that's considered to be a flop. Isn't that a shame? Um, the machete used by Jerry fighting the alien on the subway is the same one used by Dutch and his team in Predator. Uh, what else? I don't know, man. I don't know. This is all just... It gets... Let's see what... If there's a spoiler, here we go. Uh, the trivia items may give away important plot points. Oh my god, there's a ton of these. Putting the alien skull in the trophy case on the Predator ship was the idea of director Stephen Hopkins' as a way of showing off the, all the different species and creatures that the Predators have hunted and killed. It was also a nod to the, the comic book Aliens vs. Predator, which was quite popular at the time. Since 20th Century Fox owns the Alien franchise, it was easy to obtain the rights to use the alien head in the film. This excelled popularly of the Alien vs. Predator series crossover through the 1990s, which led to more comic books. During the finale, when the elder Predator hands Danny Glover the gun dating from 1715, uh, Jim and John Thomas had conceived an idea for a possible Predator movie, which would have taken place in the past where there were no modern weapons available to combat them, much like the finale of the original Predator Although the sequels Predators 2010 and The Predator took place in the future, several short fan movies were made that were situated in the distant past. That's crazy. As Predator, such as Predator Dark Ages, didn't know that exists during the Crusades and Predator Celtic Days, which, which indeed took place in the 18th century and explained a possible origin of the gun. I love that. So check this out. The writing on the antique flintlock pistol was one of the predators, which one of the predators gives Harrigan, that's Greyback, at the end says Raphael Andolini, 1715. A later Dark Horse comic tells the story of this character, making him a pirate who disappeared along this crew in the Bermuda Triangle in 1718. This was also the subject of a potential sequel script written in the mid-90s that wasn't used when 20th Century Fox decided to go forward with the crossover Alien vs. Predator. Um, Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen are the only actors to have been killed by an alien and a predator and a Terminator on screen. I guess Lance Henriksen was too, if you include Alien versus Predator. That's right. So Lance Henriksen as well uh, can be... That's good trivia. 
That's a good little trivia thing. The following scenes were deleted from the final cut of the film. A subplot involving Leona's pregnancy. The chase sequence where Danny Glover tracks the predator all the way to the slaughterhouse district was extensively longer. Gore mutilations and all the murders that the predator had done, including Bill Paxson's in the tunnel. Um, the fact that the city hunter returned Danny's necklace in the cemetery could be evidence that the creature respects him. Uh, but it also could have been a means to taunt or intimidate Harrigan. I think it was maybe a little bit of both, you know. Uh, here we got that already. The Predator doesn't kill Leona because she's pregnant. The Predator lives and plays by three rules. Never kill unarmed people, never kill pregnant women, and never kill children. See, I didn't know that. that and that makes a lot of sense. That's on brand. All right, so check this out. Originally, there was a great subplot regarding Leona's pregnancy. The scene where Harrigan meets Jerry at a bar to discuss keys was originally part of a longer scene where the officers celebrate Leona's birthday there. Her husband, Rick, was introduced during the sequence, although neither knew of them knew, neither of them knew that Leona was pregnant at the time. Before he talks with Jerry, Harrigan briefly chats with Leona, who reveals that one of the bodies from the massacre at the beginning of the film is missing. The whole scene was reduced to just a conversation between Harrigan and Jerry in the final version of the film, although it appears in the novelization. But how much better would it have been if Jerry had hooked up with Leona? Forget the husband, or maybe the husband exists and they had an affair, and then they have a kid. I just would have made that just would have been such a, a cooler way to to handle it. I think. Um, uh, so this is set ten years after the events of the first film because it takes place in '97, even though it's made in '90. What else? Oh, yeah. Then you had Morton Downey Jr. as the hardcore reporter, Tony Pope. That was pretty funny. You see you see him in a whole bunch of stuff. That that doesn't ever... It would have been kind of cool to see his end... See him... See his end met by, you know, the Predator. Or maybe the the, 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 the whole film finishes up by, by, by bringing us back to Tony Pope, played by Morton Downey Jr., as he talks about the real truth of what happened... Um, and yada, yada, yada. Who knows? Let's see what else we have here. Blah, 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 blah. In the first film, Arnold Arnie's team gets sent in on what they are told is a rescue mission after one General Hopper was sent in but disappeared. There are hints in this film that Keyes sent Arnie's team in to draw the Predator out as he explains the events of the first film in detail to Harrigan, pointing out to what they have learned from it and claims they have waited a lifetime for the upcoming experience. So that, that would be a great tie-in, you know, have him be the reason that Dutch and his crew even went in there in the first place. I like that a lot. Um, I, I, I think that's it, guys. I think that's it. So, what do you guys think of Predator 2? Do you like it? Check it out. If you enjoyed this video, please make sure to like, share, subscribe. That would be great. What else can I say? Leave a comment. Leave a like. Subscribe. Blah, 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 blah. Tune in tomorrow for Streaming Evil Live show. And on Thursday, we have our boy Chris Jimenez back for another episode of Sinful Celluloid. Can't wait for either. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a wonderful way of saying goodbye here. We say peace and hair grease.